0: you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Welcome to Inquiring Buys, the podcast for the curious queer. I am your host, Sarah. And if you hear any weird noises, that is my co-host, Spock, who is a cat. If you've spent any time in online discourse, T.M., you've probably encountered somebody using the term radical feminist or part of the larger term uh, TERF, which stands for trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Now, if you've spent any time in academic spaces or academia, you will have also encountered the term radical feminist and its partner term, revolutionary feminist. And we're gonna talk a little bit about how those words don't mean what a lot of people think they mean. So if you're listening, you might be thinking, wow, revolutionary feminist, that sounds amazing. And I know what radical feminism means. That stuff sucks. That's like white feminism, where it is all about cis women and kind of victim blamey and sex shamey. And generally not what I want from my feminism. And you might also say, like, hey, revolution that sounds awesome. Who doesn't want a revolution? All right, Four Non blonds want a revolution. Uh, the Beatles want a revolution. The revolution will not be televised, it will be live. But when you look at what those terms actually mean, uh, it gets a little confusing. And it's confusing on purpose. TERFs want to spread misinformation in such a way that they dehumanize uh, trans women, oftentimes sex workers, and really create a very narrow definition of what womanhood and what it means to be a woman, and what a woman is. There's a whole lot of stuff that we could talk about with regards to gender being a social construct, and believe me, we will at a later date. But today I really just want to talk about those terms. Because they get thrown around a lot, and they get misused. So this happened to me, actually, that I spent a lot of time online learning things about queer history and feminism, and then I went into an academic setting, and the term radical feminism was being thrown around like it was a good thing, and I was really confused. I didn't believe that my instructors were TERFs, but they kept using the phrase radical feminism. And when you start learning about feminism and about the definitions and the history of feminism, you will discover these two phrases radical feminism and revolutionary feminism when people online use the term radical feminism what they are actually talking to talking about is the the set of beliefs and philosophies and like political agenda that revolutionary feminists actually have revolutionary feminism is it's basically white feminism you know it's saying that this is the system that's in place I am going to work that system. I'm going to work within that system. I don't think that the system itself is great, but it's the only thing that we have. So I'm going to do what I can to get to the top of that system. I'm going to, you know, lean in. That's a big sort of uh, revolutionary feminism, white feminism thing. And of course, the, the thing about white feminism and, and revolutionary feminism is that they don't really take into account intersectionality. They don't take into account the fact that people face, dis- women face discrimination based on different aspects of their identity. And that men can be discriminated against just as much or more than women if we're taking into account men of color. So in in a revolutionary feminism setting, um, women are always the most the most discriminated against. And a success for one woman is a success for all women. And the discrimination that one woman faces is the same as discrimination that all women face. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't commonalities beca- between the kinds of discrimination that women face, but the discrimination that a white, wealthy woman who is straight and cis is going to be different than the discrimination that a black, queer woman faces, or a Latina woman faces, or an Asian American woman faces. And when you start to add um uh, different aspects such as class or uh, sometimes age or nationality or sexuality, those those discriminations sort of become compounded. Now, Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw was the first person to really set a definition for what intersectionality was. When you sort of listen to her, what her lectures or read what she's written, you get the idea that When you start talking about discrimination, it's it's kind of like compounded interest. If you don't know what compounded interest, please just look it up because I've tried to explain it and I can't. Maybe we'll get someone who's math savvy on here and let them talk about that, that your discrimination, how you're being discriminated against is compounded. That you aren't just discriminated against because you're a woman and then also because you're black. You are discriminated against because you're a woman and because you are black. And then also because you are specifically a black woman. And that's something that feminism is really only now, like in a, on a popular field, like popular feminism is only now really coming in, coming to grips with. That I, like that white women face different discriminations than black women and black women are facing additional discrimination, if you will, because they are specifically black women, not just that they are black and women. And that's true for um, people of any race. So if revolutionary feminism wants to work within this system and has a very limited definition of what it means to be a woman and what progress for women looks like, what is radical feminism? Well, radical feminism is everything that That feminism should want to be. So radical feminism says this system is shit. And it's not worth it to try and fix the system. Because even if you fix it, even if we can get to the top of this system, it's still disadvantaging lots of other people. Radical feminism is very much, it's not trying to pit men and women against each other. It's saying that these systems of oppression do not benefit anyone as much as women are hurt all the time by them. Men are also hurt by these systems. And if you hear weird noises, that is a cat falling behind a printer. They're idiots. So radical feminism wants to rebuild the system from the bottom up. Um, When you start getting into really deep into, like, radical feminist dialogues and discussions and papers and academia, you will find that it is not at all what TERFs would like it to be or SWERFs, which is sex exclu- sex worker exclusionary feminists, which really aren't feminists at all. And it starts to have a lot of hallmarks of a very kind of socialistic political standpoint. It's saying that, you know, we should care about people because they're people and that, you know, if one woman is discriminated against, then all women are discriminated against. Audrey Lorde has a beautiful quote where she says, I am not free while any woman is unfree, even when her shackles are very different from my own. So when you start to really look at it, you find that radical feminism is actually quite radical, that it is very pro-trans women are women. It is very breaking down gender binaries and really looking at these systems and saying how are they harmful are they helpful in any way how can we help people live their fullest life and that really is not what radfems believe at all radfems are very exclusionary they are very narrow-minded and this is a dichotomy that you can see um, especially in queer political spaces that you start to have assimilationist rhetoric and assimilationist rhetoric has a lot of parallels with revolutionary feminism. It's very much, we are going to work within the system. Uh, any outliers of what society has deemed the, the norm will be cast off or forced to conform. And this, I mean, it, they're, they're not exactly the same, but there are a lot of similarities and, and, especially when you start looking at queer history, you can see that that really sharp divide between assimilationist gaze and non-assimilationist. I can't remember what they're called. But it's the difference between saying, hey, the system is fucked, we should change the system, and saying we should try and do whatever we can to be accepted by the system. If you start to think about that for a hot second, you can see that it's you know, not actually that accepting that if I don't look like what the straight world wants me to look like, then I'm not going to get the rights that I should have. Now, revolutionary feminism certainly has its place. It is definitely, especially in the sort of early days of the modern feminist movement, it was a stepping stone. It was the place where women realized the nature of like their oppression of the patriarchy. Um, But it is definitely a stepping stone. Um, if you don't evolve beyond revolutionary feminism, then you have missed the point. Bell Hooks in her book, Feminism is for Everybody, which is an amazing book, you should definitely read it. It is very user friendly. Uh, she talks about how revolutionary feminism became uh, a way to achieve class mobility, especially for middle class white women. And that's true. Um, That's where you get a lot of that, like, lean in and breaking the glass ceiling stuff. Uh, It's also trendy. I think that's one of the really interesting things when you start talking about feminism, especially with celebrities, is that you'll have these women who say, oh, I'm not a feminist. I don't hate men, which is a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to be a feminist. And then you'll also have women who, who really lean into that, like, girl power and women supporting women thing, but not backing it up with any... I don't even necessarily want to say political leanings, but So maybe not in political, but in meaningful material ways. Basically not putting their money where their mouth is. I can say that I'm feminist, I'm feminist till I'm blue in the face, but if I don't back that up by, you know, supporting other women in really fundamental things like realizing that, you know, all women get paid differently. And realizing that, like, a universal basic income is very important for that, or that univ- like, uh, free childcare is important for women to help support women in poverty. And that poverty itself uh, adversely affects more women and children than it does men. If I ignore those things, if I go for, like, the pretty commercial version of feminism, then I'm not really a feminist. And that is really the crux of actual radical feminism, is realizing that there is no least common denominator of discrimination against women. That there is no one woman archetype. That all women are different and their experiences are different. And while we can, we can and should find commonalities to draw us together, we can't use those commonalities to determine if we are free. You have to look at at everything. We are not just one-dimensional things. We are we exist in a messy and complicated world and true radical feminism acknowledges that and it also acknowledges that the systems that we work in and live in and we're raised in and are entrenched in everyday are flawed they don't have to stay that way they don't we don't have to keep existing in a patriarchal miasma where you know men are are just as much disenfranchised by that as women women are just often more violent like women just don't benefit from it and revolutionary feminism really says well we can benefit if we work within the system if you just work hard enough and I think that you can look you can see a lot of of white women who have that mentality and they just very deliberately do not acknowledge the combination of class privilege and race privilege that they have that even got them those opportunities. When I think of revolutionary feminism, I do think of like a pretty and commercialized version of feminism. It's very palatable. It's, it's not threatening. It's not scary. But radical feminism is kind of scary because it's basically saying we have to completely upend the status quo. Nobody is truly benefiting from it you know, our, our boys aren't benefiting from being told from a young age that like violence is okay and that they have to be stoic and never cry and, you know, just be tough. And girls aren't benefiting from being told to be quiet or that their worth is based on how they look. No one benefits from a system like that. And as you get older, you you still don't benefit from it. And And that's scary. That's saying what you have lived your whole life in is garbage, is, is a mess, and you are being actively harmed by it. And nobody wants to think that. Nobody likes change. I mean, some people do. Most of us don't. I'm not a huge fan of change. But radical feminism is saying that, like, we cannot continue on like this. This is, there is no way to achieve true equality, true equity, through the current system that we have in place. And, you know, maybe we'll never reach that sort of utopian goal, but we have to strive for it. We can't just keep working within these incredibly flawed confines that we we have right now. Like, we cannot achieve equality within these constraints. There's just no way. So yeah, that's your uh, bite-sized discussion of revolutionary feminism and radical feminism. I hope that made sense. I hope you guys learned something. If you want to talk a little bit more about this, uh, drop me a line at inquiringbys at gmail.com. I definitely want to talk some more about the definitions of sexism and feminism. Uh, I know that's not really what what it said on the tin, um, but I do think that it is important to have a feminist background if you're going to learn more about queer politics. Uh, Like I said before, you can see a lot of parallels between radical feminism and... um, uh, Again, I'm pulling from... From Vicky Eklar, uh, a really great, really accessible author, um, but the parallels um, or the dichotomy between uh, revolutionary and radical feminism is really echoed in the uh, the tension between assimilationist and anti-assimilationist uh, queer politics. Anti-assimilationists, also known as liberationists or uh, liberation politics uh is very very similar to to the radical feminisms uh in that it's saying that the system that you are trying to get us to work in is inherently flawed and we shouldn't have to try and exist in it we shouldn't have to look straight or like look unthreatening for you to give us basic human rights whereas assimilationist politics are very much um like we have to blend in with the straight people uh and that's actually in the sort of I don't want to call it the early days of queer politics, but like the mid days of queer politics in like the 60s and 70s, like gay queer organizations, they would they would go to protest and the men and women would get dress codes basically for what they had to wear at these protests. And the women had to wear skirts and they had to wear pumps and the men had to wear suits. They had to look like they had to look like straight people, like they couldn't they couldn't look, quote unquote, queer. And I think that that's that's important to recognize. Also, I don't know what happened, but for some reason my computer stopped recording and I don't remember how I was going to finish this because obviously I took a detour from feminism into queer politics. A detour? A sharp left-hand turn. The thing to keep in mind with revolutionary feminism and assimilationist policies of queer politics is that one of the big parallels is that they are both very trans exclusionary trans unfriendly they might not openly say that but they are especially especially revolutionary feminism they have there's a history there of of like legitimately like kicking trans women out of these spaces there's there's a lot of of just very not feminist things about revolutionary feminism there's very we're going to talk about gender and biological sex uh, next week, but there's a lot of conflating those two things and not understanding that gender is very much a societal construct. It's something that was created by society. It's not something that you are inherently born with. So yeah, that's why uh, you should be radical feminists. Uh, it is incredibly disheartening that radfems and turfs and SWERFs have colonized that phrase. I'm not sure how to say that. Because they really did. They took that that is not what they are. They are revolutionary feminist. They're very narrow definitions of what it means to be a woman. They're very narrow definitions of of what sex work entails, um, and who is doing sex work and the autonomy of sex workers. There is I hate to use the word problematic because I'm sure somebody's going to drag me for it. But there are a lot of really problematic things about revolutionary feminism that when you start digging into it, have a lot of internalized misogynistic feels to them. So, yeah, just um, just keep that in mind. Definitely interrogate your feminist beliefs. We can definitely have a more in-depth discussion about that. Uh, but... I, I believe I said earlier something about how this was a detour from queer politics, but when you start talking about the inclusion of trans women into like, quote, women only spaces, or more importantly, their exclusion from them, uh, it re- feminism really does have a lot of very important ramifications for the queer community, and that, that shouldn't be understated, and especially with the the danger that trans women live with pretty much every day. It's really important to make sure that your feminism is trans-inclusionary and sex work inclusionary, and that you try and develop a deeper understanding of what those things are and how they are all intertwined, because to not do so is, frankly, a very lazy form of feminism. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's important to understand both of them, and especially with the, as I said before, the colonization, that's probably not the right word choice, but the the way that radfems have taken that term and misused it it's very important to understand like who is like what these words mean and how who you're talking to understands those words and if you can take anything from this it is that TERFs should not be using the term radical feminist and that we need to start calling them what they are Uh, that is not radical feminism and is so irritating because radical feminism is really cool it is very it's transformative and and it's very necessary and to have to have people to have women who are trying to to use these definitions to marginalized already marginalized members of our queer community is so offensive and it is makes me so angry i would highly encourage you to do more research into actual radical feminists um and definitely be wary of of people who go around calling themselves radfems, um, and be very aware of, and try and be more aware of the presence of turfs and SWERFs in your, perhaps, online communities. It is definitely hard. There are a lot of, like, really subtle dog-whistly things that go into online turf rhetoric, which we will delve into later. So, uh, I guess that wraps it up for today. Remember to wash your hands, remember to social distance or physical distance but still maintain social contact because we're human beings and we all need social contact. If you have some time on your hands and a sewing machine and some cotton, you can always make some reusable face masks. If you want to donate some, uh, check out WeNeedMasks.org Today's music is Bioscope by Lobo Loco. You can find more of their music at musicbrowse.de or the Free Music Archive. Stay safe, stay sane, and stay curious.